What's up, happy people? Welcome back to another episode of Perception is a fucking bitch, man. In this crazy, fucked up, controversial time our country is enduring right now, there is one fucking thing we can all agree on. The holidays can't come soon enough. Several reports are showing that America is shouting, screw Thanksgiving, we are DTBJ, and for once I'm not talking about blowjobs, I'm talking about down to be jolly. Search engines report huge spikes in early Christmas shopping, the holiday music is already jingling, and our social media screens are glowing with holiday cheer. This overarching despair, world weariness, and just done with 2020 feeling we all have? Well, the Germans have a word for that. It's called Weltschmerz. Don't know what that means? Stick around to find out. Saw mama kissing Santa Claus. Please stop. Underneath the mistletoe last please night. Please stop. Please stop. <laughs> <laughs> it's too. It's too early in the year for that. False. The reports say that is false. It's only November. Why are we speaking? Why are these motherfuckers putting up Christmas lights? <laughs> hey, we're ready for them presents. You got my present yet? No, you're not getting a present this year. It's been a rough year. <laughs> <laughs> you got your present. You what was my present? Your 75-inch TV. I bought that for you. Oh. I just happened to enjoy it because, <laughs> right. you know, we live in the same house. Right, so okay. That's what that's You're about. rushing out to Best Buy for me. <laughs> I see how this goes. So two days ago, one of my best buddies, shout out, man. You know who you are. Uh, reached out to me. He's like, Deji, I'm a Best Buy. You've been looking for a TV, right? I'm like, yeah. The one I got is a plasma, and I it's bought it before 10 years, 10 years old, old before, I, before I met Sarah. Well, after I met Sarah. Uh, yeah, we had it together. Yeah. He's like, bro, they got some deals up here. So I get out. I was like, Sarah, I'm about to go spend some money. Are you cool with it? Sarah, like, just, yeah, I'm cool with it. So, bet. yeah, bet. An hour later, I come back with the Samsung 75 inch uh, 4K Ultra HD. It's fancy to all us. The bells it may not be to someone else, but to us. <laughs> Somebody else listening to this, like, that's it. That's it. That's what get these some motherfuckers basic- excited. <laughs> yeah, as rough as 2020's been. <laughs> The TV gets we, me excited. We got to give ourselves something to look forward to. And I think that's what this whole holiday uh, extravaganza, like how everyone's so amped up. I just put out Christmas socks uh, at my studio and I've already sold half of them. And it's not so, even Thanksgiving. I just put them out like two days ago. So what we're talking about on today's episode is this German world, called this German word called Weltschmerz. Weltschmerz. Okay. <laughs> My African accent's not going to let me get this shit out. So if I'm offending any Germans worse than the Jews offended you all. <laughs> I know that's not a politically correct joke, but look, I, I'm feeling good. The alcohol's kicking in. Um, but yeah, I think we all have this overarching feeling for 2020 to just be over. 
and something to positive to look forward to because we haven't had anything to look forward to really all year. No vacations, no can't travel. Yeah, all your weddings, anniversaries, birthdays, pretty much just canceled. Yeah, the kids been sitting at home with parents for the last six months. The parents are ready for these motherfuckers like, to be out the house. Why do we have kids again? Yeah, like the parents have never wished for the kids to be grown in eighteen so they can kick them out the fucking house. Right. So Velschmer is the word the Germans Velschmerz is a word the Germans use. I know I'm butchering it, but you're not even saying it. I'm trying. Okay. So that's the word the Germans used to describe this melancholic feeling. It literally means world pain. That's the translation is world pain. A better translation would be world weariness. Yeah, that's a better way of understanding it. But I'm saying the literal, like if you took the the exact meaning is world pain. And yeah, it's... It's a disconnect between the way the world is and the way you want the world to, to be. be. It's that depression you feel when you realize the two do not always do not correlate. And, you know, this actually applies to human life, too, because Velschmert could be... Velschmertz. It could be a literal translation for the way you want your life to be versus the way it really is. Mm-hmm. And on this episode, what we're going to talk about is kind of the reasons why... That is, why do we wish the world to be one way, but it's a different way, right? Mm -hmm. The reality of what it is. Why can't we make the world that idea that we have in our head if we all kind of have an an idealized version? The utopia of what we like the world to be. We all want that world. Why, Why is that impossible to create? So when you tell human beings, we all want the same thing. We all want a utopia where all, all human beings cooperate. We can all get fucking along together. Mm-hmm. Why does there have to be war? Why does there have to be hate? Why does there have to be famine? You know, why Why do we have girls who get, you know, abducted, raped? Mm-hmm. Why is there sex trafficking? Why does why was evil... Why slavery? Why do people think they can own other people? Why does evil exist? Mm-hmm. And you talked about this, too, in your in your TED Talk. Uh, the perception is the root of all evil. That was a big part of that whole conversation. Just, like, every great evil that is participated upon the world is... is As a function of perception. Mm-hmm. It's got... If, if we're looking for a root cause to all this... It's perception. It's two ideas that cannot be reconciled. It's two people who both are coming from a place of rational perspective, thinking that their way of thinking should be how everyone should think. And they're not able to reconcile why then the way they hold what how they perceive the world to be doesn't quite correlate with the way the world is. And you can see that in in the anxiety and frustration that is the United States 2020 election. Where the world is fucking pissed off right now. Right. The Republicans want the world to be one way, but it doesn't correlate to the way it really is. So there's a bunch of Republicans right now experiencing Velschmerz. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, the Democrats are, you know, the proof will be in the pudding where they have an idea or utopia for what they want the world to be and time will tell if that's the reality that we if actually not get. they might be experiencing experiencing velschmerz but we know for sure that over the last 4 years during we the trump presidency been. during the trump presidency uh, the democrats daily. are for sure it's been so a daily tired. velschmerz so 
Right. Every time the Democrats read a Trump tweet, it's Velschmerz. Like, oh, the only thing it's the like last four fi- years has been good for is stand-up comedy. That is the only thing that material. has flourished. It's Everything been- he says is comedy gold. You're like, I don't even have to write a joke. It is a joke. Right. But when you look, when you look at why evil exists in the world, at least on the macro scale, it's perception. Exactly. So, Weltschmerz is is defined again as this melancholy, this depression that hits us when we finally come to understand the vast difference between the world as we perceived it to be, how we believed it to be, our idealized version, and the reality of the world. And I think everyone at some point or another kind of gets that that depression, that world weariness, like, why is life so hard? Why is this shit going on? That's like, that I am just done with this shit moment. Yeah. Like I, that fuck it, I am done sh- moment. Yeah, it, that's, that's a Velschmerz. Paradigm shift in real time moment. Yeah. Like, uh, that's another podcast. Yeah. <laughs> but for me, I think back to one of my first Weltschmerz moment in life in general. And for me, a lot of that was when we started dating and kind of our relationship became public to my family. I had never been exposed to a lot of bigotry, racism, um, prejudiced. I, I hadn't been exposed to the hate. Um, I had a lot of preconceived notions about how the world was. And I, I, I truly believed in my ignorance that most people were inherently good, that it was a few bad people here and there who were assholes and dicks. And those were the ones that had the swastikas painted all over them. Like you could see them a mile a minute away. Then when we started dating and I realized half of my own family. Evil is not as easily re- recognizable. Exactly. Like it was a paradigm shift and there was a, there was a depression and an anxiety that set in realizing Between that I, I had. Who you thought your family was and who they really were. Yeah, who all the people around me were, how the world operated. Like I had to shift how I thought about everything. Like walking into Walmart holding your hand now, I, I saw looks from people before when I saw looks from people, I was like, oh, they just are smiling or looking at us because we're a young, happy couple. Now I'm realizing, oh shit, they're mean bugging us because they don't like us together in the deep south walking out in public holding hands because we we aren't what they approve of. I, I, it took me a while, even I remember being out in restaurants with you and and getting shitty service. And I was like, oh man, that's a shitty waitress. He's like, no, look at her with the other tables. She's not a shitty waitress. She's she shitty has, to us. She has a perception of an interracial couple walking into a fancy restaurant. It's like, yeah, these guys don't look like they will tip. They're, mm-hmm. They look young. Or I don't like that kind of relationship. Or yeah, whatever, whatever, whatever the case might be, right? Like, yeah. And that that was a huge gap for me to overcome, to... To realize, and for you, I was thinking about like how coming to America, understanding how money here, like there's a preconceived idea in Africa, like when you come to America, the streets will be paved with gold and opportunity will be everywhere. Let me me sing the national anthem of Africans (laughs) coming to America. 
And it's, it's, and it's not the Eddie Murphy movie. You like that example? I, I like the example. That's that's where you inspired me here. And it's not the uh, Coming to America, which I'll sing that song too. But there's, Don't sing it. Don't sing it. There, there's this cartoon movie called A Mouse, A, a Rat's Tail or A Mouse's Tail. Oh, yeah. I, know. If I, I think I know what you're talking about. Okay. Here goes the song. But there are no cats in America and the streets are filled with cheese. There are no cats in America. It'll set your mind at ease. And then a young African comes to America and you realize very quickly that the way... They still got cats. America got cats, and these cats got claws. <laughs> they would shank a motherfucker. Oh, uh, yeah, and you can buy cheese, but it ain't on the streets. It's you can expensive. buy cheese. The Whole cheese. Foods is expensive. <laughs> the cheese is in the stores. It's not on the streets. Okay? It's not free. And the money doesn't grow on trees, okay? Mm-hmm. America will eat you alive. She will suck your soul dry for every dollar she gives you. I mean, you. your inboxes, I've never seen anything like it. Is just... I sh- I'd be showing Sarah like at least two a day. Yeah. Africans like Deji, you know. First, first it's, how are you, my brother? <laughs> That's how it always starts. You're like, I'm fine. How are you? Oh, so terrible. <laughs> my father died. My kids have no shoes. I'm like, motherfucker, my father got stroke too. My kids ain't got no shoes. Well, you don't have kids yet. <laughs> but you do have a cat you have to feed. So so the paradigm shift between how I thought America worked mm-hmm. and how America really works, that's Velschmerz. Yeah, that's, I remember that's when that we... weariness. And that shit sent me into a depression. It really my did. mom is still in a depression, oh, man, a 20 year depression, because America is <laughs> not what they to told the expectations. It's not what they told her was going to be. <laughs> these streets are not paved to go. Oh, shit. It's like when you watch Cinderella and you read all these romance novels and you have this idea about how love and romance and sex is going to be. And then you finally get the tip. You finally get that <laughs> deep. You're like, all right, it's it okay. It's all right. But, you know, wasn't all hyped up like that. Oh, we tell all these kids about Santa Claus. And at some point, at some point, we got to tell them. Take the curtain away. He ain't real. See, uh, that's that moment when the kids realize that what they thought the world was and mm-hmm. what it really is. It, there might be a bunch of kids this year experiencing Velschmerz when Santa yeah. Claus doesn't show up. And they're looking at their parents because the parents lost their jobs and don't have money to buy right. them you know, presents <laughs> this year. A bunch of kids, and I'm just letting your parents know, they might be experiencing Velschmerz. Jeez, yeah, it's it's so true. Like we all grew up on those Disney movies of the Prince Charming and stuff. And how how funny is it to? And then you see the same girls like, up. oh men why, suck. Why can't why men can't I find evil. a man? Why can't I find a good guy? Well, motherfucker, your entire <laughs> ideal of what a good relationship yeah. is is based on Cinderella. He, he needs to be a billionaire. He needs to he, he need be to have tall. Good, he got to be 6'2", you know. And have a job. That seems to be a requirement. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, okay. Well, if he's a billionaire, he doesn't well, have I, to have I, a job. I, I guess there's a little bit of confusion in the details. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, there's this idea that every woman has, like, oh, she's going to find that perfect prince with all the money and all the riches and, and wealth. And these women get jaded and they're like, oh, oh man, well, why, why are there, there are no good men out there? <laughs> Maybe it's not that there's any no, good, I, good men. 
Maybe it's because your experience in Velschmerz. Some expectations, yeah, your yeah, idea yeah. of this, what reality I, is. I'm like, bitch. And reality. I'm like, bitch, you got Velschmerz. Because the idea of what you think the world is versus <laughs> what it really is, I think there's a disconnect. A slight I, disconnect. Yep. I still remember when we first started dating, how you would get phone calls and we would be hanging out and, and it would be your family on the phone like, oh, Deji, when are you going to earn your first million? I'm like, ma'am. And and no, at the time you were like, oh, I'm working on it. I was I'm working on it. Because I was still operating on the old idea of what I thought America was going to yeah. be. And you you had this idea one two years and I'll figure it out and it will just come piling yeah. in and I was like, I had never heard anyone reasonably ask that question to another human being with any kind of like <laughs> rationale that this was a re- not just like hey when you're gonna win the lottery like <laughs> so, so you knew, like this was a legit this was, like yeah, expectation this, this is not theoretical this is an expectation yes this is when and I they were started actually disapp- you started ducking calls because you're like I don't have I millions can't I, can't, I can't tell them I work at Wal- Walgreens making 30,000 a year they're gonna look at me like well, that's a lot of waste for a million you know yeah. so yes. but but so this is when I I started doing the research to figure mm-hmm. out what I was missing because I had this idea of what America was that everyone just makes millions like my mom my mom believes that everyone out here just rich, got mansions just and- rich she just she drives down the streets and I'm like, Mom, rich, it's, it's rich, called credit. Rich. It's called credit. <laughs> called her drowning in debt. <laughs> it's called keeping up with the Joneses. Well, my mom was like, who are the Joneses? <laughs> it's like, Mom, it's a figure of speech. Where are they going? <laughs> how do we meet the Joneses? <laughs> we need to network with them. How, how do we meet us. the Joneses? I'm like, Mom, you don't want to meet the Joneses. So I started researching and I found out, I'm like, Oh, okay. I'm operating with the wrong information. All these movies I watch when I lived in Africa, all the movies I had about, because my idea of what America was came from culture. It came from Mm -hmm. movies. It came from media. And they paint this like Macaulay Culkin in Home Alone or whoever the fuck the kid was in Home Alone. Like the dad had a mansion and like five kids. No, it was like seven kids. I don't know. It was okay, ridiculous. Seven kids. The, the point is. Ridiculous number of family is, and friends. What the fuck? They all this... go into Paris hold for on, Christmas hold on, vacation. Hold on. What? No one ever questions. What the fuck did, did this motherfucker do? do for a living? To where he could have a big ass mansion, take seven f- kids and a wife on vacation, and leave the house with the lights on. Gone a lot while. of lights. A, a lot, lot of lights. lights. <laughs> and I pay my light bill and I know the shit ain't cheap. Nope. And this is a one bedroom apartment. So I'm like, what did this motherfucker do? But you know, we don't ask that question when you live in Africa. You just look at it and like, man. That must be the world. I'm gonna That's be how rich it is. like Home Alone. If I just get to America, I could be like Mr. Home Alone. I could have seven <laughs> kids. And then you get to America. Can't you, even have one. You can't even have one. And you start having these kids. And you're like, what the fuck is wrong here? Some don't make sense. And you start experiencing Velschmitz. So I figured out that the reality of what the world really is in America is if if you want to be in the top 1% mm-hmm. in America, the entry point to the top 1% is like 350,000. And it's total less than- Total household. Total, and that's household. That's not individual income. 
Mm-hmm. And some of you listening to that right now are probably struggling with that number because you're like, wait, you're at the least 1%? close to that. Yeah, you're in the 5% at you're least. Like, you're, you're like the 1%? Oh, I thought that was billions and millions. No, motherfucker. That's the wrong information. So maybe I'm about to trigger you and, and, and <laughs> inflict you with some Velschmerz because you might realize that you're doing better than you thought. And you if might you're have struggling where you're at, it's not a money problem. To be in the top 6% in America... That's a hundred thousand dollar household, aka if mom makes fifty thousand and dad makes fifty thousand, combined income household, you make a hundred thousand. Depending on the state you live in, which is about most of them, you're in the top six percent of income earn- earners in North America. Most people think that a hundred grand is middle class. Velschmerz, motherfucker. Velschmerz. <laughs> paradigm shift. It's a here. paradigm shift. Right. So that's the disconnect between. And so a lot of people out here in America are living this weariness, this Mm -hmm. financial weariness, because what they believe America to be and Americans are guilty of this, too. Americans are experiencing Velschmerz because them the same ones who voted for Trump, like go and fuck shit up. He's going to fix all this inequality. And and, and these are people who are making a hundred grand plus household. You tell them that they're in the top six percent of income earners in North America. They don't believe you. They're like, no, a hundred grand is middle class. Yeah, yeah, yeah. they're like, oh, a hundred grand is middle class i'm like no the fuck it's not a hundred grand household is top six percent because honestly and this is this is part of the problem with our economy in general just to go a little off topic is that the middle class is shrinking so we don't have a true middle class anymore you are either poor and can't afford Shit's to, make starting rent, to look like africa right now. yeah or you are very very wealthy and so you see this huge disconnect of the houses where it is the multi-millionaires living in them and then you see the the shitty kind of Everybody Plain else stretched out, yeah, on living credit. on credit, and just and these are the people struggling who... to make it even look like they got money. Um, you know, a paradigm shift too, though, on this money topic. While we're here, that I had when meeting you, you were a lot of my Velschmerz, like that whole like <laughs> was... period. That's why I struggled when we first got married. I was like that deep depression of like I don't get this shit like everything oh, that's I another thought depression was people reality. feel is when they get married or when they get a new boyfriend or a new job there's a Velschmerz moment there yeah yeah so there's but nothing tons of is them. way you the way you thought it yeah, was this job is not what I thought it was <laughs> Velschmerz um but like yeah you, no, you my husband's not who I thought he was he's a serial killer <laughs> <laughs> well that would be some serious Velschmerz let's, Velschmerz let's hope that's not a reality I ever have uh, to have well, I, <laughs> Velschmerz you know you find out your husband. I help you bury one body, but not two. If you're you serial, you know. Or you find out your husband got another family out in like Alaska. You know. Oh, is that you telling Second me wife. something right no, now? No. <laughs> Go digging through no. your. Belshazzar, start checking my email. You're too cheap to have a second wife. You don't even uh, want to afford the first one. <laughs> <I don't... laughs> yeah, if a lady show up, be like, "Hey, I have a kid by Deji." Nah, bitch, you're not trying. You're going. You're not going to get me with that Belshazzar. <laughs> nope. He okay. would wrap that shit up. He ain't trying to play that game. <laughs> okay, so go uh, ahead, go ahead. You said I was I was a lot of your bell schmerz. Yeah, well, like, so I had been taught from early, early on like that the love of money is the root of all evil. And, and anyone who pursues money or focuses on money or is driven to attain money, they it's must evil. have an evil heart. That's, that's what your, that's what your priorities po- are mixed up. That's what your po white 
trash family who That's are what the Christians. rich people tell the poor people to keep them poor so that they can keep all the money and, and then the poor people regurgitate that as facts to like, their oh, kids like yeah. oh you see all rich love people are money. evil yeah. the love of money or or they want you to believe that oh yeah i'm i'm so evil i'm so evil keep your kids away from me don't the, the, come the, ask me for the, advice they're like the love of money is the root of all evil but half these people follow dave ramsey and this motherfucker got a mansion <laughs> in tennessee <laughs> Uh, but you know what? I guess it's different with Dave Ramsey. Yeah, let me not he piss. doesn't love. He money. don't love the money. Uh, sure, he loves sure, teaching. Sure. sure, sure, sure. That mansion looks awfully cozy. <laughs> he looks like he loves it a lot. <laughs> so I'm saying. He looks like he loves it a That's lot. That's all Dave talk about, you know. But like it, it took me a long time to understand that it was it was an expression of love to actually make sure your money was right to pursue it and acknowledge it and to focus on it because without that you weren't able to provide a stable and secure life you you wouldn't be able to make sure we weren't living like everyone else in a cloud of debt um, unable to to really live the life that we truly wanted. We'd be slave to our jobs for the next 40, 50 years. I mean, there is a lot of opportunity costs people pay by quote unquote not loving money because they still end up spending the money. They're just unaware of how they it's spend like how it can, or what how, they spend how can it on. the love of something that's a fundamental life force be evil? It, well, it's it's true to your survival. That? It'd be like saying, oh, uh, the love of mashed potatoes is the root of all no, evil. No, 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 no. Let, no, no, no you're hear not, me out okay, 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 with my okay, analogy. Okay. <laughs> the love of mashed potatoes is the root of, or the love of carbs is the root of all evil. We need it to survive. We need carbs as a fuel source to to make our body function. Money is a fuel source. Uh, like the yes, you can get fat on carbs, but I don't think the don't love of it is the it's not the evil here. I love carbs, and I you know. I'm in fe- I'm, I'm right. shame. I right. seem to be doing okay. We're gonna go have pizza later tonight. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> Sorry, yeah. Guys. You know, we, we make sacrifices where we need to. We exactly. you know, we've starved all day so we can go enjoy these here carbs, you know, same calorie intake love of all carbs day. Carbs is not the root of all evil. Yeah. I'm gonna put that if on anything, a t shirt. If anything, the love of carbs makes me make smarter decisions because I'm like, okay, if now I'm gonna I have, have to strategize yes, and plan. Yeah, the love of carbs makes me a better person. The love of money makes me better with money. So mm-hmm. when the love of money is the root of all evil like you get this bullshit thinking away from me man if you want to be pro po and po 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 and, and broke it sounds like you're talking about the popo if you want to be po 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 pro po and broke get this Wait, we're one. talking about po not po po i'm talking about po po, po. poor okay. po. <laughs> if you want to be po uh-huh, okay, that's, that's I love your little bonics. southern accent. <laughs> you're trying. I'm trying. I'm trying to be Mississippi black right now. <laughs> uh, I, I even love when you do that. What up, man? What up, man? <laughs> I'm trying to be. I'm trying to be Mississippi black. I'm. I'm. I'm African by way. Of, I'm Texas by way of Africa black. Uh huh. I'm trying to be Mississippi black. Po po. I don't think you got it. I don't think okay, you got it. Okay. So. Uh, part of my Velschmerz moment was I didn't understand poverty in America. I didn't mm. think poverty even existed in America. Yeah, when you said you grew up poor and I said I grew up poor, I and you were like, a, I remember that look you. Yeah, yeah. When I first <laughs> poor <laughs> eh, girl, <laughs> what do you mean? Like, what do you mean you grew up poor? You couldn't go to Disney World, like. 
What, what does that mean? Remember, I, I told you when when I first moved to America, and my mom was making five bucks an hour working at the mm-hmm. uh, library at the University of Missouri in Rollo while she got her PhD, and. You know, obviously, five bucks an hour, single mom. Um, she was on an F1 student visa. I was on an F2. My brother was on an F2. I didn't even know if I was going to be able to get citizenship. Um, we would go to the Panera Bread across the street from this yeah. church mm-hmm. every Monday. And that was how we got food for the week, right? And it was bread that they were going to throw away, stale, um, I don't know that Panera does this anymore, but shout out to whoever ran that Panera store in Rolla, Missouri. They would take it to the church across the street. I think they are, their umbrella was the Good Samaritan Act. So if anyone got sick, they couldn't sue them or some shit mm-hmm. like that. But it was a lifeline for us. But this was a paradigm shift for me because I didn't think that I was going to leave Africa. Look, no it's one no leaves. In line no one the- leaves Africa thinking they're coming to America to stand in food lines. Okay. Nope. <laughs> because I can just walk to the jungle and get me a banana in Africa. <laughs> no one. No one comes to America from Africa or wherever in the world they come from, thinking that they're going to work sixty, eighty hours a week. And still not be able to make ends meet. And still not be able to make ends meet, right? Like, so you do have to understand that there is a depression that these people experience. So some empathy would be nice here between the way the world works Mm -hmm. and the way they thought the world or America worked. Yeah. I had a food fairy growing up. So we we didn't necessarily go to the food lines. We did have a, a charity that would donate food sometimes from our church, but we actually had a a guy from our church who would come drop off food on my doorstep, my family's doorstep as a kid. And we called him the food fairy because the food would just magically show up. And like there, there's levels of poor, even within, I think the one difference sometimes in America that you could say is there is a lot of resources and charity that you don't get in a third world that's necessarily true. except that's for like true. missionary trips like that's true it's it's because like in high stamps, school like we had food stamps too we had we had our food fair we had all the church organizations i that could always helped. count on lunch in high school yeah it the public free, food right? system provides breakfast and lunch for a lot of kids you could you could count um, on a basic education high school yeah. in america you can't get that in africa you or any for right? it so there's a lot of things that's that is yes, and we're not saying America doesn't have its its pros. You are still probably you're better off poor in America than you are poor 100%. in Africa. People or, are still plotting and scheming to get here. Mm-hmm. No one's plotting and scheming to get into Africa. <laughs> <laughs> I don't oh. know. Sometimes the way this country is looking, I'm oh, thinking if I about could just it. get to Poland, my life would be better. <laughs> oh well, hey, I don't know about you, but I need a shot of whiskey. Okay, yeah, let's actually what we're drinking wine and the wine's not doing it for me tonight i'm still too sober another... i'm too sober okay we're all, talking, we're all talking about a depressing I'm idea exactly okay all right let's go get a shot hey happy people hope you're enjoying the tipsy philosophical banter between deji and i so far today as we discuss the many ways in which perception is a bitch We'd like to take this quick break 
to top off our tequila and remind all y'all bitches that you can submit your questions, comments, or topic ideas to our email piabpodcast at gmail.com. You can also find the links to our PIAB book, merch, and Instagram in the links attached to this episode. All right. Now that that bullshit's out of the way, and we've re-upped on our favorite inhibition-lowering, mind-expanding, and giggle-inducing substances, let's get back to it. So Sarah experiences Velschmerz a lot in our relationship <laughs> because she'd be one every time she get mad mm-hmm. she want me to come chasing you know because she'd be reading all these romance novels that <laughs> they've told women that when a man do something wrong you're supposed to pout and feel mm. and fuss then he gonna come chasing after you i'm sorry because like all if you men really love me you would just Oh, I'm so sorry. Honey, why are you mad? Let me rub your feet. Let me help you. Let me, let me, what did I do wrong? And here I am like, oh, you're mad? Oh, you can go sit in the corner. (laughs) (laughs) Fuck you. Nobody puts baby in a corner. You are not Patrick Swayze material. Let me just say that. You will leave baby in the corner. Fuck the dance. I'm like, I'm like, shit. I'm like, let me know when you are feeling better and I can come back. But the funny thing is the opposite is true for you. (laughs) What do you mean? You will stay, Patty, until I come and rescue you from that corner. Oh, yes. I just need my space. You will stay in that corner until someone comes and gets you. (laughs) So that's the disconnect between how Sarah perceives the relationship should be (laughs) (laughs) and how it really is. I'm just not the type of motherfucker who will come chasing after you. I I had to learn real quick. You are not the Prince Charming. It has nothing to do with about money. You were like that when we were broke as fuck. When we were scraping pennies to go get ramen noodles. Because that's all we could afford for the day. Literally, this happened. Like We could get two ramen packets a day. I'm too rich for that now. (laughs) You didn't do that shit when we had nothing. You always been this way. It ain't about the money. You just an asshole. Oh, it's too funny. I was a layup. That was a layup. <laughs> oh, uh, Jesus. Okay. No, okay. but there's an idea that that as women we have. I mean, I mean, maybe it's not just women. Uh, I think men have it up, too. This group, these women grew up watching porn, Cinderella. Porn does it to men. Oh, Y'all yeah. think oh, women yeah, are sex. just gonna arch our backs and mo- oh it feels so good yes like a dick yes God's gift you just her. touched us with a dick and now oh, we're undone we're undone that's like, not how it is did that feel good for you that's, it uh, felt good did, for me did, did it sound like i came no if it felt good for me then it had to have felt good for you right no, sure <laughs> i'll let you believe that i'll let you so, believe so, that so, so in women relation- y'all aren't helping with this fake and shit stop that Stop it right now. It's not about his ego. Maybe it is. But like we we do it on both sides. I think um, men have the fantasy of of what a woman's going to act like during sex. And women have this fantasy of what a man's going to act like in a relationship when they're in love. And we all get those schmerz when the reality comes home. And it's like, 
Hmm. Mm. There's a disconnect between how I thought this was going to be and how <laughs> it reality. really is. Yeah. So you think sex is like, how many like virgin men, girls? Sometimes sex is just the woman with her hair in a messy bun and her face mask on and a ratty t-shirt. And you, if you want it, you better come get it because that's all you're going to get. Pussy's pussy. And, then <laughs> <laughs> and women, sometimes you get a card for Valentine's Day and an I love you. And that's about it. Right, so big disconnect between. I think about girls who, like virgin girls who anticipate. I don't know why I thought about who anticipate that first time they're going to have sex. Oh yeah, and yeah. there's a letdown, or the first time you're going to a restaurant and the meal doesn't quite taste as good as what you thought it was going to be. It's 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 more of a shifting of perspective. I, well, I think for a lot of women it is a letdown. I will say for for our interaction, it wasn't necessarily a letdown. Um, it was more just a. Because I made up for it in other ways yeah. that you didn't. You did quite, a good job. You did a good job. Yeah, I. I, I I'll give you your I, pat I, on the back. For I that contribute one. and I show love to you in our relationship in ways that you did not quite value. Mm-hmm. Not because they weren't valuable tools or ideas. It's just not how you were brought up. You weren't brought yeah. up to look for security in a guy. Mm-hmm. financial security you were told well, yeah, by your family that that was gold digging sex thing oh okay we're still on sex okay because you I brought up the known. virgin thing so i, well, I met sarah, you when sarah i was, was a virgin no you brought it up okay 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 you, okay, okay. i, I, I should have known sarah was still talking about sex <laughs> you're the one who fucking brought it up okay 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 <laughs> i'll move on all right keep going keep no, going no no now i want to hear now i'm curious no, I was just going to say, like, you were my first time and you did a, a really good job because I had heard over and over how, like, women's first time, it's usually shit. Um, and that was my big reasoning, too. I was like, well, let me just rip the Band-Aid off. We were supposed to be a one-night stand. It wasn't supposed to go any further than that. Um, Y'all hear that, fellas? That's how good I hit, hit it. Hit it and quit it. <laughs> <laughs> but you, you, did, you did a good job. I mean... It, it wasn't just like an SAT it test. Was. You did a good a, job. <laughs> you, t- you fulfilled the basic oh, you requirements. Got into college. Oh. You, you didn't ace the test, but Jeez. you fulfilled the basic requirements. It was a good experience. You got an A, not an A+. Plus. Okay, okay, okay. I'll take an A. I'll take an A. I'll take an A. But I mean, it, it's, it's funny because it is that idea. I remember like being a young, innocent girl and, and thinking that, you know, when you finally get that D, it's going to be some stars quivering. Yeah. Explosions and fireworks. You're going to be in and, fantasy. Oh, and then utopia. Yeah. Reality is like, well, that was really nice. I enjoyed that. <laughs> like, it's just like you're taking it from this euphoric fantasy of, of unreal, Unrealistic expectations. Yeah, I don't even know how to. It's like the idea of being at the top of the, like being on a, a mega roller coaster and being on the kitty roller coaster. Does that make sense? It does. It's like, it does. Okay, I was on a roller coaster. Ooh, we got a little. Bump. Ooh, there's a little. Bump. Okay, there we go. That was that was the ride. Yeah, Versus those rides at, your at expectation Six Flags, is the they're mega, like 30 seconds. That's your expectation is the ro- the Six Flag mega roller coasters. The Goliath. That the have Goliath. like the 10 foot drop. and The Goliath. Yeah. You're riding the Goliath. Shh, that's just scary. Oh, yeah. If you've never ridden the Goliath at uh, Six Flags, you bet. When they open. <laughs> you cried on that 
coaster. It was it was rough. It was rough, but it was it, it was a memorable experience for me because I I had to experience it. I got it. It to was, be your first roller coaster. I got to pop your cherry yeah, on roller coasters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This man had never done a roller coaster before. I've had I a lot of firsts with you yeah. because again, America for me has been this like I've been here since 2004 to no 2003 2020 was that 17 years mm-hmm. I've been here 17 years and the first half of that mm-hmm. was all Velschmerz oh yeah it was all like you know changing paradigms from how I thought America would be to how it really is and the problem with Velschmerz is for a lot of people it does send them into like a depression you know and and that's like that weariness of Velschmerz mm-hmm. that 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 you know, I guess we kind of need to talk about. Well, and I think this is leading back in since we were talking about relationships. This is why so many people have um, a high divorce rate in failed relationships because they expect it to be that lovey-dovey cupcaking, sunshine's out of the asshole all the time kind of feeling. Like that Care Bear, just shoot love out of their chest. Shoot love, shoot love. Oh, there's a problem in the earth? Oh, it's okay. Care Bear, stay. Let's just shoot love out of our chest. And it's just stare real hard at the problem with love and just, oh, just bust love out of our chest. No. That's not how life works. Human perception does not allow that because we can't reconcile our ideas. Mm -hmm. Democrats versus Republicans, Christians versus Muslims, you know, blacks versus whites. Even though at the core, we all want fucking peace. We all want the same thing. But we can't get past our bullshit perspectives to get there. But I I would say, and this leads in, well, since we are coming up on Thanksgiving, um, I would say one of the keys to kind of overcoming that Weltschmerz in life and in in thinking specifically about relationships, but in any context, it's going to be shifting your paradigm, okay? So Weltschmerz is basically your paradigm has shifted. You've understood now that the reality that you expected, your ideal is not the reality that actually exists and is not actually possible. Now you have a choice, either sink into that depression or quit and and just be devastated by the loss and the the depression. Or adapt. Or adapt. To the new normal. And and part of adapting is changing your paradigm again to, to be in alignment with the actual reality and to be grateful for it because you can't live, at least not in any kind of positive measure, in that Weltschmerz reality. So, for example, in our relationship, like you said, I had to shift my paradigm to look at the attributes that if you, you wanted did to be with do. me. If yeah. you wanted to be with this motherfucker, you had to. Like, you don't do good on holidays. You don't get me presents. You don't do anything special. Um, y- you you very rarely like put in any effort. But, but. You are very good randomly. It'll be a random Tuesday and you'll come home with a surprise or um, a gesture of some kind. And you're very good on just even the daily base of making the effort. Like I came home and I'm tired as fuck. You're like, hey, I'll do the dishes for you. Hey, I'll do this. Like you're very good at making those gestures when it's not holiday related and the, those everyday like let me be there for you and support you you are extremely good at those things but if i was looking for the grand romantic like flower petals on the bed on valentine's the day shit that all women have been told i would be disappointed and 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 that t- 
took me again a paradigm shift to like, okay, be grateful and acknowledge and appreciate the moments when he is making those gestures. It may not come in the package you expected, but the love is there. The gestures are there. I think about how many men, women have passed on great relationships because while they were in those relationships, those relationships didn't quite correlate manifest, to what they're or manifest yeah. the way they thought the relationship should or would. Mm-hmm. So they get rid of it. Or and they, they get, aren't willing to compromise. Like life is well, not they, built they, on they, your they think narcissistic they are. They, views they, they, they of how it they, should be. They think they are. They think they are because <laughs> you. I'm thinking. I'm looking in my in my memory bank right now, and I can come up with three or four friends that we've met through the years, male and female, who let go of potential partners because this motherfucker didn't conform to what they were wanting from the relationship, and. Without fail, what I tell him is like, you know, sometimes when God answers your prayer, it don't look the way you think it should look. So (laughs) careful Mm -hmm. lest you pass up a blessing thinking it ain't for you. And then you die, get to heaven like God. I asked you for a spouse. Why didn't you send him my way? This was the reality and, with my family. Think about it. Yeah. All my family kept saying over and over is like, you know, oh, fall in love with a good man, right? Like marry someone who's kind to you, who's gentle, but, supports you. And then I married a black man. I was like, oh, well, hold up. Hold we, up. we said marry a guy who love you and going to support you. You know, Every woman in man. my family <laughs> married an abusive white Christian man who was quote unquote. Because they were the looking for those qualities in the context context of what they thought their tra- or, or what their traditional yes. Christian values told them a good man should look like a white man who was a preacher or whatever the fuck he is like some religious and they conservative could, they could not wrap their mind around the fact that God could send you an atheist who will love you unconditionally <laughs> and provide a life and might you. have black skin <laughs> <laughs> it, it, that tripped them up. I was like, "Ooh, this this doesn't look like what we expected." I remember it to when you, your like. mom thought I was Muslim for the longest time because <laughs> you had it on your Facebook. Remember? I'm like, "What does that have to do with anything?" If I love your daughter and I'm saying I'm going to take care of this woman for the rest of my life, what the fuck does it care what package this shit yeah, comes in? Quran, the Bible, it's all a make believe. <laughs> It's all ways of coping with the with the pain the of existence. existence yeah. <laughs> so, and you know, when you talk to people with kids, these are people who experience an extreme amount oh, of yeah. Velschmerz. Parents, parents have Velschmerz. I mean, I think that's one, some of the funniest memes I see online are about parenting. Don't tell my kids I hate them. <laughs> I'll say that to I'm you. Hiding in the pantry, but eating. to them, oh, you know, my my kids think I love them unconditionally, but like. Time and time again, uh, you've actually had people come up and tell you that, like Daisy. I will never fig- admit this in public. <laughs> like if you repeat it, I will deny on on we my shall, grave. We shall keep the names to protect the innocent, to, to but, protect the parents. But sometimes I hate my kids. <laughs> Most times I hate my kids. Right. So, but yet they tell you kids are a blessing, and then it's the people, best thing you could ever and do. And then people realize very quickly that oh, the reality of what I thought these blessing called kids were gonna be versus a what they really don't are. Understand? It's not a pet. It's not. It's not this kumbaya family portrait thing that you imagine. It's hard, hard work, and expensive, and annoying, and dirty. The diaper change, the, the, the diaper changes where you have me. That's that's the least of it, baby. The diaper, like I, I think I could do most of it. The diaper is where you were. I, I don't know. 
Oh, so. And then, and then these kids grow, and mm-hmm. then we tell them, oh, you're going to be special. Oh, you know, you know, you can be whatever you want to be. You can change the world. You can, you can be the next Elon Musk. You can be Musk. president if you want to. You hey, can, after Trump, though, <laughs> anyone can be president. president. The you bar know, has been lowered. Now, now Obama become president, and black folks telling their sons, oh, if we've had a black president, now we know what's possible. Now I'm like, okay, now we're setting these fuckers up to experience Velschperts because <laughs> it's probably not going to be you. Just because it's probable. Possible. Doesn't mean it's probable. Okay. Just because it's possible doesn't mean it's probable mm-hmm. because there's a lot in here, motherfucker. <laughs> there's a lot of context. There's a lot of nuance. There's a lot that needs to align right. You know, so these kids grow up and realize that. Be you know their their parents have told them they were going to be special. You can be all your you know your unique snowflake, you know in the in the ocean made up of multiple and billions of drops. You are the unique drop in the ocean. We can tell the difference. We can tell the difference between all the the water. (laughs) I can pick your drop out of the water. Yeah, these kids grow up and find out that oh, I will not be a famous movie star. I won't be the next. Mahatma Gandhi. I'm not going to be the next Will Smith. I'm not going. You're not going to have a Hollywood star in your name. You know, you're not going to split the atom. You're not going to be cool as Elon Musk. You're probably, probably going to be as depressed, fat, broke, and tired as your parents are. <laughs> you're going to live the exact same variation, oh, true, slightly true. different of their life. You're going to live the exact We're same life your parents lived. Slightly different. So look at your parents now. Let me let me save you some Velschmerz. <laughs> some Velschmerz. Let me save you. Let me help you. Save look, a hoe. Captain, save a hoe right save here. Let me save a hoe. Let me save a teenager right now. <laughs> Captain, save a teen. Look at your parents. That's as good as it's going to get for you. Because Most likely. You might improve it by like a few degrees here and there. 10% tops. Because the blueprint for which you are operating from life. Do you know where it's coming from? Again, your look biases, at your parents. Your paradigms, all your the paradigms, filters. your biases, your your ideas, your belief systems, your your truths about career, money, relationships, yep. what's possible, what's not possible. All all that becomes the blueprint you follow for your life. You know where it comes from? Your influence. So when you hear people say, oh, show me who your friends and I'll tell you who you are. I'm like, get the fuck out of here. That's only half the equation. Show me who your parents are. <laughs> and I'll tell you how your life going to turn out. Mm-hmm. And if them your parents. Mm, mm, mm. <laughs> yep. There's a reason guys always say, look at the mother-in-law. If you want to know how your wife going to look. Yeah, when she's if you want, yeah, yeah, yeah. If, if, the, if you can't fuck the mom. <laughs> <laughs> chances, chances are, are the daughter <laughs> ain't far behind ain't far behind you know uh, all these people who are like fucking narcissists yeah that's the thing um as as you kind of grow older we all come to that realization like you said your parents coddle you they tell you everything is possible you're the center of their universe they do everything for you you know they 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 help you out. They're always there for you. They're always supporting you. And then you become an adult and you're out there in the real world. And you realize like when people ask, hey, how are you? 
they're not really listening for the answer. Like, no one is actually listening or giving a shit to... And the moment you're like, oh, let me really tell you how I am. And they're, they're like, like oh, uh-huh, fuck, uh-huh, uh-huh. fuck, I didn't really want this motherfucker no. to say anything. So I think that's a, a huge eye-opener to recognize and realize No one gives a fuck about you. Mm-mm. You're dropping the ocean. I mean, even friends that you have, like you think your friends are just going to always be there for you and have your back. Oh, and then the moment they're not there for you. Or the moment your paradigm shift a little bit. Like I I went through that. So when I lost um, a bunch of weight and I was no longer the duff of my, the designated ugly fat friend of my friends, all of a sudden, all the friends that were always there when I was paying for movies and when I was had nothing else to do and could just listen to their problems. Now, when when I was and you went through a little bit of a depression then, yeah, it was de- because it you was thought your friends were always going to be there for you. I had a lot of friends who who uh, who kind of dropped me, who refused to come to our wedding, who who didn't want to hang out anymore. Um, who now all of a sudden, if I was wearing the same type of outfits they were wearing, but now I look better than them, they're like, "Oh, well, you're dressing like a slut." I'm like, "Some I, of these this friends- is the same kind of outfit you wore last week." I don't. I don't see the problem here. But all of a sudden now I look better than you, so I'm I'm being slutty. I don't Do you know what know what also causes Velschmitz for people? Hmm. Death. The death of a loved one. Well, I mean that's a pretty uh, I mean that's an I don't think that's a Velschmerz. I mean I, I guess it could it be It qualifies because death but let, like let me death explain. Death inherently brings depression and sadness and grief. True. But I do get what you're saying because people never truly believe. I think there's a, this idea you we know, have in our head that we we're know. we're immortal or the people we love will always be there. It doesn't matter how Okay, so here's why I said that. Okay. I'm at the gym. Uh-huh. And there's this lady there's a old Chinese lady and her husband, cute cute couple. Aww. Who always come in, and you know the type, right? Mm-hmm. Like every gym has one. Yeah, they're like five foot two, <laughs> both of them combined, right? They come in. They're the sweetest old couple you've ever met. Oh, that's gonna be us when we're old. Well, not five two, <laughs> <laughs> not Chinese. And um, so lately, post pandemic, over the last month, she's been coming in by herself, mm-hmm. and she's been looking significantly more depressed always in tears whenever she comes in find out her husband fell and died oh they'd been married 55 years that's so sad and she said you know we were getting old i knew it was coming and she said it doesn't matter how long you live or how many years you had together it doesn't matter how prepared or how much you know it's coming you are never ready mm-hmm and you still experience the sadness or pain of what Velschmerz, and this is what I was thinking in my mind, that death is kind of a Velschmerz moment because we have this belief about the world that we live, and hear me out, um, though we know we will die, we have this idea that we live forever. We, you know, mm-hmm. like youth confirms it, right? Yeah. And even when you die, the Christians will tell you that you go to heaven. But the grief and the pain and the, and, and the grief of loss that we feel when a loved one dies, 
To me, it's almost symbolic, like deep down, deep down, somewhere subconsciously, we know that bullshit is not confirm true. It. Yeah, if, if we that all we, knew inherently that there was something else after this, it's we more of a happiness, right? Yeah. But but the natural grief human beings experience when loved ones die, to me, has always been a reflection. Again, like I, I preface with to me, because I'm not Our trying to piss yeah. anyone off. But to me, it's an indicator that there is nothing past this life because. Even the most devout Christians still go through that grief, and that grief is a symbolism of somewhere deep down in you on a fundamental psychological or biological perspective or level, you know this is the end, mm-hmm. that when they die, you will not see them again. Yeah. And that's what we grieve. Yeah. You don't grieve for somebody Believing you will in the see again. Believing is a coping me- mechanism to deal with the depression. Right. I've never cried for somebody I knew I was going to see again. Yeah. I cry when I know it's a loved one that I will not see again. And mm-hmm. I believe, this is my belief, mm-hmm. that the grief and the sadness and the tears and the year-long depression after the death of a loved one is because on some biological level, and I call it biology and not so much psychological because, you know, perception is shit, Christianity and all, and religion. But on some biological level, we know this is the end. Yeah. They are gone, and I will mm-hmm. never see them again, and that's sad. Yep. So there's a disconnect between what we hope the world is mm-hmm. or what we hope life or the afterlife should be to what it really is, and that's a Velschmerz. So, again, I don't share these ideas with people. I just, you know, whatever gives them peace. <laughs> I don't fuck yeah. up their paradigm. come into their life. If they listen to this and they Trust happen me, to listen to our ideas, the only time I thing. fuck up a motherfucker's paradigm is if you come to my podcast and my platform. <laughs> so and it's on you. And that's on you. <laughs> I don't in real life, and I'm prefing, prefacing this so y'all know, I don't project my bullshit ideas on people. We don't people. evangelize. I don't evangelize. I don't do what the Christians do. I'm not out here trying to make fault. I used to. I used to the old Deji who Humble wrote yourself. the book who, yeah. who wrote the book, <laughs> the book of Deji, of Deji. was out here trying to evangelize his his his, his ideas that was arrogance. his ideas the TED the TED conference gave me an opportunity to share my ideas on stage so I gave two TED talks um, I don't know why I said that but that's the only time I put my bullshit out there <laughs> in public your, your all I'm saying you is all yourself. I'm saying is I know my ideas are not conventional so I'm very careful where I put my shit. You know, I I love that comment about death, actually, because I think that's very true. Just the coping with death in general, the coping with our own mortality, because you do see this a lot in even people who are growing old, the people who go get tons of plastic surgery and Botox and everything because they're fighting tooth and nail. Everybody want to get to the, heaven, the but nobody want to die. Aging, but also just even appearing weaker, like the, the change of realizing that you're not necessarily going to be that person who grows old and still looks perfect perfect like we all can't grow old like brad pitt and angelina jolie like we're not all looking old now yeah but like still relatively but you know i looked at watched the movie (laughs) troy the other day i'm like this motherfucker's getting old (laughs) (laughs) true he ain't looking as ripped as he was that's true but he growing old the best version of the rest of of us right right the rest of us when we grow old don't even look like that yeah will smith at 55 does not look like the average 55 year old at my gym you know there's a difference yeah there's a difference will smith at 55 can still pull you Mm -hmm. okay he's closer to my mom's age and they're not dating (laughs) (laughs) uh yeah will smith can can pull better than me 
For sure. For sure. What does that say about me? <laughs> that says it. you are not Will Smith. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm having Bell Schmitz because I thought I could pull some bitches. <laughs> you can pull me. We're on the same level. We're okay, on the same level. Now I'm having level. a deep depression. <laughs> Cause Sarah, I, I this whole time I'm thinking I can pull bitches, and Sarah's nope. like, "No, this is why I'm not worried about you leaving." Oh, cause I'm ugly, jeez. No, because we're on the same level. We're both ugly. <laughs> yes, Velschmitz. We're both average. We're both decent. Uh, Velschmitz. We're both Bell decent. Schmitz. We're not the type of movie stars. Don't fuck up my Angelina paradigm, is not Sarah. gonna come after you. She I am may. Not she worth- may. She may. Beyonce may want me tomorrow. <laughs> I may get a call from Beyonce like Deji, me and Jay-Z. I think I will get a call from Beyonce before you get a call from <laughs> I am Beyonce. that ugly? No. <laughs> okay. She just knows what I can do for her. Okay. She listened to this shit. Okay. Beyonce, I got you. <laughs> I got you. Oh, no, uh, but like. You're Beyonce on a first name basis. <laughs> okay. Uh, um, You don't know what I do in my spare time. She is from Houston. I could have met her. <laughs> no, I could have met her. You don't know. You don't know. Sarah just have, now she just uh, now I'm fantasizing. Now she's having paradigm now shift. Oh, <laughs> uh, I'm getting Velschmerz now. Okay. Oh, uh, but no, it is funny though because we we fight this process of aging. We fight the process of dying. We fight the acknowledgement of our own mortality and the fact that our existence here is temporary. Our, our life is temporary. Like people will be in our life and they can leave and, and they may not even miss you. Like that fucks with your brain. Like it fucked with my brain to know that the friends that I valued could walk out of my life and eh, like it, it really made no real difference. The earth keeps spinning. Yeah. And, and even with death, like we want the idea that when we die, like people will grieve, the world will stop, we will be mourned. And in all honesty, you may have a handful of people who mourn. Like you may, like but even if they your are parents soon, are alive, they, they are soon, siblings, they are going to follow you soon enough. And, and again, yes. Yeah, so that's relative. If you were a decent fucking person, you may have a handful that actually grieve you. And, and like you said, they're going to be gone too. And in five, 10, 50 years, no one will even remember who you were. It's the like, ones you love are about a decade or two relatively. Think about how vaguely we remember old actors from the 1950s. Vaguely. We don't remember them at all. Like, you, you might remember Clint it's almost, Eastwood it's here and like there. It's almost like the life you might, might as well remember. not have been lived. Exactly. Like, it's it's very, very subjective in context. A few people. And those are the lucky sons of bitches who actually got their names in stars, who actually put themselves out there you in the stratosphere. You are sending me into a deep depression right now. So the rest of us have no, have no real, there's no point. It, it comes to a point, it kind of makes you think sometimes, what is the point of even trying? Like you, quote unquote, had your name in stars a little bit, given TED Talks. That That's a highlight moment for a lot of people. Most people will never have that opportunity, will never even put themselves out there to a to have the opportunity to stand on stage on a platform like that. On a platform where the, the best minds of the world have stood on. Exactly. Like, I, I see what you did there, stroking <laughs> your own ego, but okay, let's move on. But 
Uh, my point is, is you did put yourself out there. You did actually get this the opportunity to do that. And that's great. It's a moment now. It's not like Hollywood movie star great, but you got an opportunity there. But I did experience a depression because the fame and, and the accolades and the accoutrements that I thought would come from doing something like that mm-hmm. didn't follow me. Like I didn't become the next Tony Robbins, the next Simon Sinek, you know, mm-hmm. so that sent me into a Velschmitz type depression mm-hmm. for a very long time. And I had to snap the fuck out of it and was like, bro. It's life. Nothing's promised. Mm-hmm. And that's and the, almost the way to, to deal with that in general is just to approach it from the uh, mindset of you're not even trying to get your name in lights. Like, just fucking enjoy your life in whatever context it presents itself. Uh, there is no real, like, you, you even look at people who actually do get their name in lights and many of them still suffer from that Weltschmerz depression. Like, how many celebrities do we know that because actually kill themselves Because they become famous still? to get the money and realize that life they is no different. They still have that hole. They still have that, like, what is the meaning of life? What is the point? Is the point really to stand on stage and, and, and make people laugh? Does that really make me of value? Is the point lots of money? You know, um, what's his name? The Not the Joker guy. The Dumb and Dumber guy. What's his name? Uh... Jim, Jim, Carrey. Jim Carrey, Jim Carrey. Okay, so Jim Carrey has been, you know, one public figure who is very vocal about his Velschmitz because this is a very smart kind of Zen, um, spiritual kind of guy uh-huh. stuck in this very dumb and dumber kind of role. Goofy, this goofy yeah. mask, and always silly. He's a character in every yes, movie and, he role and he, he plays. talked about how. People for the longest time thought that he was his character. Yeah, they could never separate the man they Jim Carrey goofy like that all from the, time. the character, and a lot of his existential depression came from having to fake being dumb and dumber <laughs> in real life. And it's like I am not that person. I am not that person. And sometimes you look at people who want fame and fortune and you're like, man, careful what you wish for. There's a price to be paid. Because the reality of what this is may not quite be what you think it is. You know, Mm -hmm. everybody wants to be a CEO. Everybody wants to be an entrepreneur. But these people have zero skill sets running a business. They've never run one before. Like, careful what you wish for, motherfucker. You know, everybody wants to be a famous rapper. Everybody wants to be a... You know, movie star. And then they, they all get there. And they now want to bitch about how, oh, it's so hard and the shit sucks your soul. It's running a fucking business. What did you think it was going to be? And then it sends a lot of them into this deep depression, this Velschmitz depression. And they, they, they cope with it through drugs, alcohol, and whatever the shit else, you know, is out there for them. Well, hey, I, I get the pain because I have been coping with 2020. <laughs> With all of the alcohol, I feel like I have drank more this year than I have probably ever drank in my life. And I'm not I usually a big drinker. I want to think that's because we've recorded more podcast that's episodes. True, true. That could be so context. <laughs> context matters. Context matters. No, but no, even beyond that, because we used to only drink when we were doing podcasts or out on dates. Now we drink and more during the we week. We bought a bottle true. of whiskey 
what was it, Saturday? It's gone now. It's it's gone. And we the wasn't bottle because of wine is half over. You're right. We have been drinking way Ooh, more. Don't do this to me. <laughs> Very nice don't do this to me. Is is we we all have that that depression as I speak to a lot of my friends and coworkers and, and they're saying the same it's thing. Subconscious. I didn't even know it was there, but twenty twenty yeah. has been stressful for a lot of people. We've been drinking more, like it's it's harder to get motivated to go work out because our routines are all fucked up like everyone's routine is fucked up right now no matter what your routine was it's it's most likely fucked and and we have nothing to look forward to which is why again we're so craving this holiday period because there's this mindset we're all having right now and i'm scared of this mindset like i am so terrified of of how people are thinking about this end of year mindset. Why is that? Because they're having this mindset like get to the holidays, get to Christmas, we'll celebrate, we'll give presents. Like they have a the people are already saying people are spending way more on Christmas presents this Americans year than are ever before. To spend more this year than they've ever spent on Christmas gifts. And first of all, we can't afford that. It's not in people's budgets. Everyone's already strapped for cash. So that's one. Two we have no guarantee that next year is going to be better. Now it's looking a little better on the presidential front, from my personal opinion. I, I look I whoever's we, been we in gotta, the White House ain't never done shit for my life, right? So I don't. I'm just saying, at least in the news and from a competency perspective, like it, it, it might take some of the distress and controversy down just a bit once things you know what out I think? a little bit. You know what I think? What I think. This is season one of Game of Thrones. <laughs> Winter is coming because, look, the spikes in COVID this time of up. year are going up. I think this is about to be a dark winter. I, I think that's what I'm saying. I'm scared because I feel like people have this mindset that 2021 there's going to be some switch some, and COVID some, will go right. away. We're around everything the curve. will be hunky door. We'll just go around the maple. I'm thinking together. this is the end of the beginning. Okay, this is Game of Thrones season one's ended, and at the end of season one, all we knew is the White Walkers are coming. So this so is all, Velschmerz all, to its epitome, right? People have this idea, this this hypotheses of how the world's going to be in 2021 and i think reality is going to cause some serious velschmerz because when people realize they have a whole nother year that this is continuing on the depression from that realization uh, yeah we're saying the same thing real i'm saying the optimism is a bit too early motherfuckers <laughs> it's a bit too early Slow down on the Christmas shopping. Let's yeah. take this one day Put at a time. Put the eggnog down. Put the eggnog down. Just enjoy Thanksgiving. Grab the alcohol. You know, Let's maybe be don't in the do present. That. That's why I said put the eggnog down. Let's lay back on the on the alcohol. Let's pull back a little bit. Um, and be in the present. Let's appreciate the present because really like us rushing to this finish line, rushing to the new year, rushing to the holiday. I get it. I, I sympathize with it because I'm, I'm, I'm in the same I understand why. But I think we're setting ourselves up for a horrible Weltschmerz moment in the new depression. year if we don't monitor our expectations and and continue to give ourselves the tools to deal with this existential crisis and depression that we are all going through with COVID in this fucking long year that is 2020. Today's episode is called Velschmerz. AKA, life is pain. If you enjoyed what you heard or enjoyed Sarah and I's conversation today, 
Please leave us a five-star rating and a review on whatever audio platform you get your podcast on. Don't make their life more painful. Let them choose what they want to rate it. <laughs> Don't add to the pain here. <laughs> that is not an option. We appreciate you. We appreciate you guys, and we will see you next time. Don't forget, y'all. Perception is, is a, a fucking, fucking bitch, bitch man. man.